Dear human, dear soul, I welcome you to my podcast series, Conversations with the Universe. Since a near-death experience, I have the gift to communicate with subtle levels of the cosmos. The knowledge from these for us invisible forms of energy I capture in my books and it is now a great pleasure for me to share this knowledge, these conversations with you as a supplement to the books. Please excuse me if the terms and articulations are not perfect. Our mother tongue is German, but we try to translate it to the best of our abilities. Thank you. Hello, my dear friend and teacher. I would like to talk to you today about the nature of the soul. I have never found any book or chapter which discussed what exactly such a soul looks like and what it consists of. I'm aware of the problem that we are dealing with materialities which we can never measure with our measuring instruments on this planet and also not recognize with the senses of our visual organ. But I'm asking you to nevertheless explain the structure of the soul to me with your understanding and your perception. I think that would be very interesting for everybody to listen to. Please start. With pleasure, dear. If you remember our conversations, you have often heard me talk about the energetics of souls. But I can understand the question very well. And I'm glad that you ask it. It is due to your accuracy and your penchant for detailism. Okay? Okay. A soul energy is created from the source via the mother soul. We have already written a whole chapter about this. As with cell division, the one is transformed into several other parts. I would like to comment on this briefly. With cell division, the cell multiplies, which means there are more cells. I have learned from you that this energy in the cosmos only transforms and more is not produced. Did I misunderstand? No, no. The soul energy is born from the all-pervading, all-creating energy of the source by splitting off from it. And then further energy feels split off from the so-called mother soul. This is not an increase of energy, only a transformation of the original state into smaller parts. Maybe the term cell division is not entirely fitting then. I can think of no other imagery. Okay, well, it's not so important. I got it. Anyway, please keep talking. You must think of soul energy as a ball of energy. It is difficult to provide comparative sizes here, because each energy is individual. Coming from the mother soul, these forms of energy are small, like a small rubber ball, that your children used to play. Over the course of incarnations, these soul forces mostly transform into a form slightly larger than the white spheres, but they can't change their shape. The white spheres can't. Quick reminder, you said the white spheres are about the size of a soccer ball. Is that correct? Correct. 
This was in other episodes, so if somebody doesn't remember, please listen to it. And we also uh, will come back to this, to the white spheres anyway, because they have their own level. Okay, and what is the little pile of energy made of? Is this energy solid? Surely not, right? <laughs> no. It vibrates in its own frequency and focuses this energy via its consciousness. But let me stay on the topic of primal energetics a bit longer. It's crucial for your understanding of a soul energy to know that it has a core, just like the cells of your organisms. Ah, so the soul is more or less structured like a cell, with a nucleus and the cystoplasm and the cell membrane. Yes. All this together makes up the cell. It's the same with the soul. Mm. It has a soul core and the field around it. Mm. But this field, just like the form, can also change in its whole expansion. That's why we call this field the force field of the soul. There is a soul core and a soul force field. These two always work and create together and are connected with each other. And if souls change shape, they do this primarily in their force field, while the soul core remains as it is, right? Yes. Okay, and how can I picture the soul core? Is it round or any other shape? No, it has different forms. But in itself, it is constantly transforming. You just sent me the picture of a flickering energy field that keeps moving, is that right? Right. It is sometimes oval, then round, then oval again. It's actually constantly in motion. Yes, it moves. <sighs> And it doesn't remain in one shape. That is the core, if you want that much detail. Wow, yes, I do. <laughs> okay, now, if a soul loses a part of it due to a shock, for example, then it should not lose anything from the core, right? Right. The core always remains as it is. It's the force field that can experience damage and impurities. Mm. That's how it happens that in the course of incarnations, mm. more and more impurities become visible in the very bright and white transparent field around the soul core or that colorings can be seen in it due to mutilations of these force fields. By the way, this is really interesting because you would think that the force fields have a homogeneous form, symmetrical or harmonious. Harmonious. It's difficult to imagine that they bulge, bulk, <laughs> and that they bulk here and are indented here. That is a bit strange somehow. If you change your power of imagination, you can imagine it. Here, as you like to stay, other laws of nature prevail. Other forms, other energies, other movements, other states and so much more. Nevertheless, they follow the forms of expression familiar to you. Okay, please keep talking. I find it fascinating and that the energy field, the source, the soul force field actually undergoes such 
mutilations of changes. If the soul is polluted over the course of many incarnations and the experiences in these incarnation journeys, the force field transforms more and more and spots, you could say, appear which become very polluted, like black spots in the energy of these souls. If there are more and more black spots, they turn into black areas. On closer inspection they are lightless and above all powerless areas. Oh, interesting. Now picture a somewhat larger soccer ball with this soul core in it, which glows and moves. Around it there's the force field, which should also glow, surrounding it. Then parts of this force field become darker, less luminous, less energetic, and the whole movement of this soul force is affected. It slows down. It becomes less flexible, less quick, and it loses consciousness. But I don't want to stay into this subject of directing consciousness yet. We'll stay with the power potential. The soul keeps losing more and more power. This powerlessness makes it less stretchable and flexible, so that it remains more and more in one shape. Rigidity arises, even if it's far removed from the rigidity of when encountered in the lower frequency ranges, but these are the first signs. Now, it might happen that this soul, less mobile and less stretchable, is thrown out of the body. The confusion which the soul experiences during this ejection can now entail that the darker parts split off because of the sudden transition and get lost. Energetically, there is a too strong divergency between the normal, healthy parts of the force fields of the soul and these parts. And then it happens that these soul fragments, which vibrate lower, have to stay in other areas than the soul with its soul core. Then you get this kind of mutilated souls on one side and the mutilated soul fragments without a soul core in the lower frequency ranges. That's why these soul fragments don't glow because they don't have a soul core. That's fascinating. This is why I like using the term porous. Over the course of incarnation, they turn from being a very supple, soft form into a rigid and porous form, and this is the cause of the so-called tearing of this energy. The soul core will keep looking for its lost energy part again and again, further and further, because growth out of itself as well as purif purification is only possible when these energy fields are reunited. Only then can the soul begin its actual energetic ascent. Wow, that's very complex, the way you describe it. Can't it take forever, measured in our time, for them to find each other again? 
And purification can only happen then again? That's insane. Can the soul with its soul core ascend without this lost part? No, it wow. can't until it's whole. Okay, well, please keep talking. We have one more piece of the puzzle, which is the consciousness that you wanted to name in order to get the whole picture. If you are aware of the consciousness as a consequence of the energetics, then you can imagine the consequences of these problematics without my help. <laughs> you want to challenge me? Yes, of course. Please oh. speak. <laughs> okay, so you're saying that consciousness can only exist where there is a soul energy. Yes. Okay, that's why a certain kind of soul energy is also the carrier of consciousness. Exactly. So if this energy is mobile and moves into the cosmos as a soul, incarnated or not incarnated, then this movement is always bound to the power potential of the soul force field. Yes, my dear, exactly. So when a soul becomes more powerful, more purified, its consciousness also becomes clearer, right? Right. Ah. And if the soul becomes more and more polluted and loses more and more power, It also loses more and more consciousness, right? Right. And if a fragment then splits off, I don't know what happens to the consciousness. You have to tell me this part, please. <laughs> Gladly. When the souls lose their awareness of the powerlessness arising in them, they become like tumbling lights in the sea of energies. They appear uncoordinated, unconscious, powerless. But they are not, as you know. They are not powerless. It's merely their perception in that moment. If these energy fields become so polluted that parts of them break off, their consciousness is disturbed. It is no longer one energy field that carries this consciousness. But there is another part that has left with the other energetics, with the other soul fragment. This can lead to confusion and delusion for both parts. The part with the soul core can feel despair and searches for the lost part. At least this happens with some kind of consciousness. The free will which is inherent in this degree of consciousness directs this search and creates the resonances. The other part which does not even possess a soul core, which is therefore only energy endowed with a fraction of consciousness, dwells in the cosmos with relatively little power and it takes a very long time to return to consciousness so that it feels this resonance of the actual soul core at all. Oh yes, you have spoken about that. But in general, if energy nevertheless carries consciousness, then the part which has broken off or fallen away from the soul must really have very little consciousness. Yes. You once said that a soul can incarnate from the size of a mouse upwards. Mm, yes. So can't a soul fragment incarnate into something smaller than a mouse? No. Because? Because this soul fragment simply isn't a soul. Mm. It's only a fragment of an energy. And this cannot incarnate. Because? 
because it does not have the will to do so. Mm. It lacks the power, the crucial impulse, the consciousness, the free will. It can only attach itself to the other souls as we have already described. But it cannot animate a body by itself and independently. Okay, I got that. So the soul fragment and the soul it belongs to carry less consciousness but can nevertheless slowly find each other again. Right. And what about the higher levels, the higher frequency levels and the beings there? You told me that you can stretch your force field so far. Does that mean your soul core still remains the same? Absolutely. My soul core is still the same size, if you want to put it that way. But it has widened its energy field, its force field over time and has become bigger and stronger as a result. This size and this strength are what ultimately move me there and make me what I am. Wow, please keep talking. The soul core is like the original engine that souls have within them, if you are looking for an image. And the soul force field is what the engine generates. Mm -hmm. If this engine is more conscious because its force field is purer, more energy gets to it, through it and with it. And this energy, in turn, raises its field. This, in turn, makes it stronger, more flexible, wider, bigger and more conscious. You find all these things in the entities of the higher frequencies. They move easily, quickly, nimbly, consciously, lovingly, caringly and powerfully. And they constantly change their shapes again and again and again and again. That's quite the wild, <laughs> colorful hustle and bustle you have <laughs> going on there. Interesting, beautiful. I understood this very easily. Is there something else that makes up the soul? Does it also have a kind of protective coat, like the cell membrane here in our organic cells? No. No? No. No? No, my dear. I find that surprising. There is no partition wall as you know it. The force field exists in itself, in itself as it is. It does not need a margin. And this very thing is important. It's like a bundle of energy which stays with itself. Or not, if parts are lost. I see, but it is still important that the souls have protection, that they protect themselves, no, isn't it? No, my dear, not on this level. Ah. When you incarnate, it is something completely different. And then, of course, protective mechanisms are activated. But ultimately they are created because of the energy fields of your body, such as the aura fields. But is, this is tied to the physicality and works and arises above all only in interaction with the physicality. We do not have an aura. We are the force field. But you could also call the force field an aura. Well, I don't like that because it distorts. Why should I give another name 
to what I have already named. <laughs> yes, you're right. Okay, good. Well then, please tell us a little bit more about the coloring of the souls. Mm. I always like referring to souls as a cocktail of energies and you do also as well. Because they have all these memories, imprints and experiences mm. in them who shaped and colored them. Can you maybe talk about that a bit? Yes, I'm happy to do so. When the souls collect their experiences and gain power or lose power, this also transforms their qualities in the cosmos. This is how the very different mixes of different colorings of the cosmos, of the light, arise. And these colorings are as diverse as the souls themselves. Because all souls have collected different experiences and every soul perceives differently. These experiences become part of the consciousness in their field, little by little, more and more. But only the soul force field, which is pure, accomplishes expansion. What I mean to say is that only when the experiences are purified in themselves, when forgiveness, forgiveness, dissolution, balance and purification have happened, only then can a force field begin to expand. And when it begins to stretch, it begins to radiate to take in more and more cosmic energy and to be it. Then the force field, and with it the soul, expands its field of action. Okay, and as we have learned from you, you can also contract this force field. Yes, if it's necessary. But, of course, It should not change its original state infinitely. That would not be the intention. This is why the masters of light are very large energy fields. They have transformed very much, purified, and are very strengthened and becoming stronger and stronger. You know what I just remembered? You once said that from the size of a mouse upwards a soul can animate a body mm -hmm. and I once heard that a human being carries about 100 watts of voltage within themselves. That means if I knew how many watts it takes to animate the body of a mouse, what is voltage, what voltage a mouse carries within itself, <laughs> I would know the energetics between a weak soul force field in a mouse. And a powerful source force field in a human being. Can you put it that way? <laughs> um, well, this comparison is a little bit flawed. Because you work with physical watt figures. Thus with an energy as you can measure it on your planet with your measuring instruments. We are talking about chi energy. The power of the source, which you can't measure with devices of a three-dimensionality. The comparison comparison is nice, but not really helpful. Okay, okay. Well, I just it just occurred to me. Is there anything else you want to say about souls? No. 
I still have one question. This soul core, can this be destroyed? No. So the soul core is the way it is, sometimes faster, sometimes slower, more and sometimes less um, luminous, flexible and all this, so on. But it's unbreakable. Exactly. Wow. So you never have seen a soul breaking before? No. Really? Never. I thought there might be such extreme mutilations that this soul core can die. No, dear. Energy does not fade. Mm. And the soul core is an exclusive, pure product of the source of all energies. Mm. You can't just erase it. Nothing and no one can cause this energy to simply be lost. Mm -hmm. It is preserved and it ultimately goes back in the system to the original, original source in the form of a mother-soul energy, which it has either become itself or to which it has returned. It can't be destroyed. Transformation, not destruction, is the path of energies. Wow, fascinating. Okay, well then, that's it from me. Thank you very much. Thank you, love. Thank you, dear. Love. <laughs>